Ladies and idiots. This is the Fade to Gray podcast. Everything will be aces. Let's get faded, guys. Hell yeah. He has many, and I mean many, leather-bound books on shelves made of rich mahogany. Now you've heard of gay conversion therapy. Well, this is gray conversion therapy. I think you're gonna like it. I'm not braver than you. I'm just drunker than you. And you're fabulous. You deserve to be told you're fabulous. What do you think about the podcast? It sucks. Nice. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back again to another episode of Fade to Great. Today, we get to talk to David Lunsford out of Seattle, Washington, um, musician, life coach, uh, worship pastor. I don't know if you have that title, worship director at his church. Um, long time ago. Long time ago. Long time ago, he also, in one life, was a basketball player um, with mad skills and the only one-handed basketball player to ever beat me. So, <laughs> please welcome. You've played um, many. <laughs> well, yeah, I've played, you know, a good one, and I got beat. So <laughs> I try to stick with people with two hands from now on. I, I my competition, be like, I might be able to take him. He's got two hands. But yeah, uh, so you now you are you a pastor? Is is that your role at at East Lake Church? I believe there in Seattle, Washington. Yeah, so I I'm actually like I guess my title is like creative director or song leader. We don't use a lot of the terms that uh, most churches use. So yeah, song leader slash creative director, songwriter, that kind of stuff. Now that's cool. That's that's an interesting uh, position to be in in a in a church that sounds like from what I've heard, and we'll get into it is probably a little bit uh, out of the out of the ordinary. I guess. So I'm sure you even get to be a little more creative with the music. Is that correct? Yeah. So like in my church, East Lake, we kind of uh, strayed away from like normal beliefs a while ago. And so I started to kind of uh, write about my journey rather than like what you would see as normal um, worship music, I guess. And so all of my music started to be filled with like a lot of doubt, a lot of, I don't know, just real feelings about this invisible God that people are kind of looking for. Um, we were able to talk about those kind of things. And um, some of my music talked about, you know, like God bless the, the, the Muslims, the Christians, the Buddhists, the whoever it was. Like it was like, it's, it's kind of like an all-encompassing, like God bless people um, rather than the one true church or whatever. Um, yeah, I have wild beliefs over here in Seattle. So would you say you've always been that way then? Or is that something after the move to Seattle? So I, I guess yeah. how'd you how'd you get to where you're believing from you know, basically being a small group leader in YWAM to writing songs yeah. about you know God bless the Muslim and the sinner and yeah so no I was not that way when I showed up uh, to Seattle and I did that like 2010 I moved to Seattle so before that I was like in YWAM like YWAM was my thing I was all about like I actually went there to play basketball because they had these like overseas basketball teams. Um, but while I was in their intro school, I started writing music for the first time and I started to love worship music. And so, um, it kind of just switched my life onto music. Um, I had one, I have one hand, I was born with one hand. So there was like a lady there who helped me get hooked up with like a pick idea of how to hold a pick having one hand. And I just started like writing songs like right away, just going, um, I left Y-Wan. Seems logical being born with one hand and deciding to get into basketball and music. I mean, how, how, no. how, like, well, I mean, for me, I was born that way, so it was like everything was just kind of it was just normal life for me. Like, I feel like I have 
I guess I feel like I have one hand, but I don't know what it's like to have two hands at all. So I just kind of roll with it, you know. But uh, yeah, I left YWAM. Um, I, I was in a rock band called All But Screaming, and it, it was like just time to get out of Montana. <laughs> if you're a rock band in Montana, you're you're not you're <laughs> not in the right place. <laughs> so we moved from there, and uh, I was like playing the band life for a while. It was like a bar band kind of thing, and then uh, we had a little girl. Me and I'm, I'm married to so my wife Lisa. We have two daughters, Abby and Lucy, but uh when I had my little girl, I was just like, okay, I feel like it's like a, a turning, like we're going somewhere else here. What are we doing? And I um, became a worship leader at a church. Yeah. So my daughter was born in 2008, I think seven. My, my wife just corrected me. So uh, she's 11 years old now. Her name's Abby. And then uh, four years ago, we had another and her name is Lucy. So um, yeah, two girls. My wife's name is Lisa. And uh, we met in YWAM, me and Lisa did. And then, um, yeah, so we joined the band life, took off that way, had a baby, and then we're like, okay, let's get a job. And the job was for me, music. And so uh, we started um, leading worship at this church. They encouraged me to make a record with all the music I was writing there. And I made a record and someone else got a hold of it, which was East Lake Church in Seattle. And they hired me from that record. So, which was great. We got to move across the country. It's a lot of fun. The only thing I did not know is that my faith would completely hit the fan, fall apart, um, and lead me to where I'm at today. So that's the backstory. What was the hitting the fan for you? Yeah, well, in 2015, uh, my church, Eastlake, went fully inclusive to the LGBTQ community. Um, and when I say fully inclusive, I mean that uh, like every, we're totally affirming. Like We have no problem with people um, being gay it's just not a big deal to us. It, they're beautiful people. And we've had friends for years that have been gay, but we, I've always kind of like hung on the Bible, like where it was like, okay, you know, someday I'm gonna have to have a hard conversation with my friends. Uh, and I never was able to do that. So 2015, our church went fully inclusive. And, and once that happened, I just feel like the Bible kind of broke for me as what I believed it was. And when it broke, I was just like, okay, now I am going to question everything, every story of the Bible, every part of it. Um, because I don't know, once you t say the Bible's like says something wrong, then to me, in my mind went, well, then there might be more that would be wrong. So I just started questioning everything and then quickly just like, you know, how the, they talk about that being as like a slippery slope, like don't ever cheat on Jesus. There's a slippery slope on the other side. Yeah. The fear message. Yeah. yeah. Be afraid, be afraid to question or have real thoughts. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, that one was true. I slid down that slippery slope so quickly all the way to the bottom. And uh, I just found myself with beautiful people still. And I was like, oh, my God, my whole life I've been like not paying attention to people who need to be paid, paid attention to. That's so that part. when your church became fully affirming, like that just doesn't happen overnight, right? Like, was that like a buildup or a conversation right. that had been taking over? You know, a while? Yeah. So when I moved there in 2010, I mean, we were all kind of a wild crowd already. Um, it was like a bunch of young people. It was a church of like 5,500 people. It was a mega church. Um, and it had like exploded really quickly. So like it got big really fast. Um, but we were all like kind of had wild beliefs already. So when we would talk about this subject, because it was a subject back in 2010 in our church, um, 
we were always up against like the decision, like, do we tell people that that's not good, even though we don't even actually think that, but we have to kind of go along with this book that tells people that because we're the pastors of the church. And uh, it was a couple of years. I mean, I guess five years of just like wrestling with that question. I mean, it's actually like sad to me that it took five years of wrestling with it. But um, at some point, some of the people on our staff came out as gay and then some people um, on our staff had friends and family that were gay. And at some point it was just like, okay, we obviously don't believe this enough to say anything about it. So instead, you know, we're going to like kind of look into things. And for a while it was like trying to prove that the Bible could say good things about this. And maybe it does. uh, But once we made that decision to go fully inclusive, we had so many people just so upset with us that fighting with the Bible just didn't make sense anymore. So I just kind of threw it out and was like, it doesn't even really matter what the Bible says. My heart says that these people are valuable. They're amazing. They're beautiful. And uh, if God has a problem with these people, then I think that uh, maybe God needs to come and hang out with some of them so that he could see that he might be wrong on the issue. That's a beautiful <laughs> place for you to be as an individual Dave, um, but as a church, uh, holding that stance, how, do, how does that look on a weekly basis? I mean, is it still like preaching from the Bible, um, but like maybe steering away from verses that they don't have an explanation to, or they look into it deeper to try to say, well, maybe this is an alternative explanation. How, do, how does like East Lake handle that, that situation? Like, Yeah, well, it blew up Eastlake. We went from 5,500 people, we're down to about 500 to 1,000 around there, like right in that span. Um, Because once we, once we decided that, all the questions of the Bible became louder, you know, like virgin birth, or like Jesus dying and raising again. Um, Everybody has to believe in Jesus to get into heaven. All of a sudden, there's all these questions that just rose to the top, like, quickly. And so, um, we preached on the Bible for a while, but a lot of it was like, you've heard it said, but it might be this. Like it sounded like actually the teachings of Jesus, but it was actually pushing the teachings further. And I don't mean that to be like, yeah, we got the answers, but for some reason it all just didn't make sense anymore. So we do use the Bible, but we also use everything else. Like, so the Bible's kind of become a wisdom text, you know, like a spiritual wisdom text that we can draw from. Um, I like to say that because that's what we do, but I actually don't even read the Bible much anymore because it has so much like gritty, like bad feelings in my life. Um, I don't know. It was a really hard time to go through, man. Like it, we lost friends, we lost family. Um, so we're kind of like, we're wanderers right now, you know? When you say you lost family, what what family did you lose? Like, was it your family specifically or Lisa's family or a combination of all of it? There's a combination. I feel like my family's like come around now. When I first started like believing these new things or at least like questioning all this stuff, it was really hard for me and my family. Like, uh, I mean, it's for sure changed relationships because back then it's all we would talk about was like, what's God telling you? What's God saying to you? You know, like what, what is your life about? Like, how are you following Jesus in a new way? And now like, I'm just so off the deep end that that conversation doesn't exist unless it's like a, it can turn into an argument really fast because people have such deep held feelings about these beliefs. Um, on Lisa's side of things, it was, it hasn't, we haven't been able to um, rebuild those relationships. So um, it's just a lot harder on that side of things. Um, so I wouldn't say that we're in a lot of 
communication with them right now. Well, as a uh, gay man who's a survivor of Christianity, um, I just want to say thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm alive today oh, wow, because man. people like you did what you did. Thank you. Hmm. Wow. Thanks for saying that, man. And I'm I apologize that it took so long, and I wish so badly that uh, I don't know people could open their eyes to see human beings walking around this earth that are different than them. So I apologize for taking so long, brother. I'm just glad you did when you did. Uh, it's it's come so far from like you know, being a teenager in the late nineties to like seeing the world we live in right now. It's just like my, my mind can't fathom the change. For sure. Yeah. That's so long ago, man. I know I was an 81 kid. So, so your church looking at the Bible as a wisdom text. Um, I, I like that. I, I can agree with that and job with that. So you said you use other texts as well um, to teach out of or to gain inspiration out of or you know, maybe even preach yeah. out of. So um, would you say then maybe your church is like an interfaith type of a thing, Unitarian? I mean, like where, I mean, do you guys don't really draw any lines anymore? Is this kind of like open door policy? What, what would you say? Yeah, we're just not based on belief. So like your people show up based on love and acceptance and grace and like the, the way that we can give each other room to be human. Um, they're not showing up to make sure it's a Christian church or whatever. So I, I don't think, I mean, I guess you could compare us to those other things, although we're just not grabbing any labels. We're just like, okay, we are people who believe in a better world um, and that we might be a part of the healing and restoration of what it is. Um, but we don't think that everybody should belong to the same club because we're all seeing through different bodies, through different eyes, and there's just no chance that we're seeing the same thing. So we need to give each other room to kind of walk with their, their true life and find out for themselves, like what actually makes them a better person. And unfortunately we've like, kind of like just put everybody in the same box and said, if you don't believe this, then you're out. And uh, I just have a feeling that that box is just going to break and it is breaking. And uh, there's just too many good people in this world and too many people that you might even consider bad or just broken people who are, have a hard, had a harder, had a harder life than you did. And uh, yeah. So the goal, I guess, is just to allow humans to come into the same place and love each other and give room for growth. We can definitely job with that here at Faith. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Thanks oh. man. But yeah. uh so you're on staff though. So what is it that's your role for the church on staff? You're also a musician. So I'm assuming it has something to do with, you know, music title. So. Yeah. So I write a lot of the music we play at Eastlake. I have a friend named Aaron Sternke. He was actually with me in YOM and he writes a lot of the music we play at Eastlake. Um, and then, so we like, it's pretty like, if you went to our church, like you would see it as like kind of a church vibe, you know what I mean? Like we start out with music. And we do that for a while. And then uh, we have like people do communion and like light candles as a symbol of prayer or however you see that stuff, like remembrance or whatever for other people or themselves. Um, and then we have uh, a speaker get up and speak. I mean, if you just go to a church and if you go to our church, you're going to be like, oh, this is just a normal church. But except for just like all the language is like. Well, what about the music? It's so it seems like you're a different kind of dude. Are you writing music, or are you just doing like Bethel songs, or what is what is the worship? I guess I hate to, I hate to use the word worship, but 
That's okay. Like, are you guys having contemporary are music you, Are you trying time? to say style, Andy? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Are you are you mentioning Jesus? Oh, yeah. what, you what kind of to? songs are you doing? Yeah, are you are you saying God, Jesus? What are you doing? You you said yeah. it's like every other um, church, but is it the same in that sense too? Right. No, it's way different as far as the content goes. What I'm saying is like the form looks couldn't look the same. You know what I mean? But like the music, I mean, like we we'll play a lot of my stuff, which is just like these days it's like singing about family and friends and healing and restoration just of the normal world. And then uh, we're also like tapping into like, I mean, Coldplay, we're tapping into, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of Trevor Hall. He's kind of like a progressive like worship thing in his own way, but it's like more like earthy, you know? Um, we're tapping into Casey Musgraves. If there's a song out there that speaks to the human quality and the human struggle and the chance for it to be different and to be like surrounded by loving people, we're gonna find it and we're gonna play that song. You play any of that new Snoop Dogg? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's Christian. No. He's, he's I know, gangster man. Christian. That's great. I think that's great for him. Well, then you got to play Bieber too, because apparently he is that's too. That's true. Well, he's he's getting monopolized by Hillsong, I believe. Yeah. So. Uh, that's great, man. I don't think we'll touch it. <laughs> but it's great for them, you know. Like I, I feel like we're like on a on a quest to, um, yeah. It's songs about people, the struggle of life, and how to find help with your own tribe, I guess, you know. So singing songs off your new album, too, then? That, yeah. The new album you just released? Yeah, we probably played like four or five off my new record. It's called To All My Friends and Family. And that album was about like losing friends and family and um, just like a, a letter of saying, hey, we're out here, we're on our own, and uh, we're okay. We hope you're okay, too. We're not like against you. We're hoping for peace. But uh, it's so weird when you talk about this stuff. I mean, if you really think about it, we're just like <laughs> the same people. It's just that, uh, yeah, it, beliefs are a weird thing, you guys. Beliefs, um, yeah, they change the water. They quickly make up, uh, you yes. know, people the other. Yes. Very, very quickly. Yeah, for sure. And so that song, I'm sure, was super instrumental for you to write because you're basically just saying, like, we're here. We're not here to... to we're not here to judge you and hopefully you're not going to judge us. We're just here to hopefully all love on each other and we're just doing it in maybe a little bit of a different way. Yep. Yeah, man. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you would hire me. I think you would actually probably fire me very quickly once you found out <laughs> that I'm, I maybe wouldn't jive with a lot of your staff. They maybe wouldn't find me as, as accepting and loving as I, as I just spoke of. <laughs> All right. I think You're he's, very he's harder you. on himself than uh, he's giving him credit for himself credit for. Sure. No worries. I think you're great. So, Dave, uh, just for a second, uh, listeners, let me fanboy out just for, you know, maybe like 30, 45 seconds and just tell you that I was so impressed um, when we were doing research and kind of talking, getting ready for this interview. And I listened to your new album to say, hey, guys, this is Dave Luntzer. I knew him. You know, 15 odd years ago, haven't spoken in a while. Let's see what type of what he's into right now. I started playing your album, and I remember I just just froze. It just had to like, I believe it was like without your armor was one that just really your voice in it has grown incredibly. I mean, you had a great voice 10, 15 years ago, but what you're doing yeah. with it now, and like you said, it just seems like you have something to say. It's one of the things you just want to pause and reflect. Um, through your song. So I could definitely see how in a corporate setting um, that could be beneficial. 
and it's just some really moving and awesome music. I haven't bought music in years, and I bought your album, <laughs> and I recommend uh, others do as well. Just to all my friends and family, something like that, to friends and family. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think it's just like being true, you know, just like really singing about like the things that you don't always talk about. Um, in this world, we're like so drawn to like the normal story. We talk about work. We talk about, you know, drinking at night. We talk about football. We talk about whatever. But I think like the things that are truly in your heart, the, the things that you're sad about when you're alone, like those kind of like moments where, where we're all actually just a human being sitting by ourselves and we don't have to like carry around the cool kid card or whatever. Like, I think that that's like, once you sing about that stuff, then people are like, oh God, I'm not alone. And once they figure out they're not alone, I don't know. So that's the thing I try to do with my music. It's just like, try to be real, as real as I can be and tell the story through the eyes that I'm seeing it, you know? Talk about that songwriting process, because that's got to be really hard. I've been, um, I put out an EP about 10 years ago, but it wasn't very honest. And so now mm. I've been like toying with writing music that same way. And it yeah. scares me so much. Yeah. Like, I go to start writing stuff and I can't <laughs> like shut down. Yeah. Yeah. It is scary. I mean, we're all like, we're all just so ashamed of who we are when we're like in our dark places you know um i think i've just been doing like a lot of like different kinds of therapy over the years and i've been learning a lot about fear and how fear is just like the gate that's like standing in front of us like if we can't get that through that fear then we're never actually actually going to be able to access like the true heart of who we are and and uh, a lot of us are unaware of who we are because it, the fear is so real and so big that we've forgotten um yeah, who we are. So I guess my practice is to feel that fear and to let that lets me know that I'm in a good spot to write because that means I'm actually hitting up against something that I'm a little bit ashamed to say. And I think that uh, if you can feel the fear, then keep going. And once it's all around you and you can't do it anymore, then you give yourself a break and you come back to it. Um, but fear's your friend in that kind of a situation to let you know that you're going the right direction. It kind of it kind of lets you know you're over the target, huh? Yeah. yeah. When you're when you're feeling that fear, it lets you know that you're you're being challenged and you're out of your comfort zone and like, okay, cool, take a break, but come back to it, press on a little bit, and yeah, uh, that's 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 a really good. I like that. I like the word to use Christian Christianese. I like the word, brother. I like that word. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> See, you are a good Christian. Now, <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Great. Yeah, I, I I haven't gone to church in, in in quite a long time. I'm not sure if that matters or not, but I think God's quite okay with that. That's great, man. I think you're. All I right think too. he's. I think he's okay. You go to the church of Fay Degree every day. You know, we had our devotions for a while every morning. <laughs> cool. And in Marco and yes, Marco Polo. Um, thanks, Chad Johnson, for that. By the way. What's up, everybody? This is Chris. Look, insurance companies are trying to squeeze every nickel and dime out of you. And I know you're paying way too much for your auto, your home, your life, or your small business insurance. Guys, you need to have your own agent that you can trust to advise you correctly. Insurance agent Chad Johnson has multiple companies to offer in these products and is licensed in Missouri, Illinois, Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas, and Iowa. Call or text Chad right now at 417-421-2925 for a no-obligation quote on any of your insurance needs. Again, call or text Chad today at 
421-2925. You cannot afford to not be covered by insurance. As uh sounds like you just are in a really good headspace, um, all in all, David, as far as um, some of the things you've lived through, you know, you're being born handicapped and that whole struggle and, you know, rising to the top and pretty much sounds like everything that you've done. Um, but you were telling me a little bit about yeah. some new experimental therapy that's kind of helped you maybe unlock some of these doors. Um, I think you called it uh, plant medication. Um yeah, it's just plant, yeah, plant medicine therapy. I, Tell us more <laughs> about that. So, yeah, this, this is me. Everyone who wants to turn off the, the podcast can turn it off now, I guess. <laughs> this is me just being real. I don't talk about this very often. But, yeah, I've actually been taking part in some plant-based therapy. Um, I have a therapist up in Canada who walks me uh, through what I've been using is uh, psilocybin, which is like a mushroom medicine. Um and what it does is it just like shows you all the parts of you. So like when you're on that medicine um, and you're being, I like heavily recommend that you're with a therapist on that stuff. Um, although people do it for fun too. But for me, um, when you're on it, you're able to separate like your spirit or your soul or your true self. I, I call all those the same thing um, compared to your ego or just what gets you through the day. So your ego is kind of like this thing that runs your life. Um, at some point of my life, I realized that I was staring through my eyes, watching my body do things that I didn't even really tell it to do. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm not in control of my own life. Like my body is reacting to all of the things that I've taught it along the way, all of the patterns I picked up from my parents. And slowly you become a machine almost, you know, to where like, you're just like acting in the world, but not as who you really are. So the help of psilocybin, uh, actually um, and using it to go back to your childhood and to realize the places that you've uh, been wronged or at least a perceived wrong where you started to believe lies about yourself. For instance, like when I was young, having one hand and expressing the, the um, pain of having one hand, I'd always receive um, the comment back, we're so sorry for you that you have one hand, which in some ways that sounds like, okay, that's nice of you to say sorry. But as a little kid, I turned back to that, that comment with, uh, oh my gosh, don't be sorry. Look what I can do. I can do everything you need. And I would start to be a caretaker of the people around me rather than getting the care that I needed as like a seven-year-old child, you know? So what that does in future days, like David today, is I'm just running around helplessly trying to help people. Like I, I don't, and, and only to get approval didn't know all this stuff until I did these journeys on um, these mushrooms, but I was able to uncover that I'm just like wasting my life trying to help people and not even actually being truly helpful. And so that was, it was such a great awareness that I got that I was able to start moving away from that, like actually helping people when I felt like my heart wanted to help them. It's not like I'm not helpful anymore, but I'm not living out of a need of, for approval that is haunting my life. Um, and then I went back for round two, uh, just last week. And, uh, I learned that because of that, that, um, pattern of always helping people, I never was able to express what I really needed in life. And, uh, so it's a new thing for me to go like to a friend and be like, Hey, I could actually like use you calling me a little bit more or texting me a little bit more because I'm, I'm alone. I get lonely sometimes. Um, 
where before that would never come out of my mouth because I didn't even realize I was lonely or I didn't realize I did need anything because I was in helper mentality. So the medicine for me has like shaken me up to a point where it's like telling me like, all right, you've been living under these like, yeah, patterns that have been placed on you and now it's time to break out and be your own human being. So that's what I've been learning in that. Can you, can you recall one of the, one of the first substantial, uh, uh, breakthroughs that you maybe had on, on that plant medicine, uh, in Canada? Can you maybe, uh, some sort of something with family or faith? With family and faith? I mean, uh, anything really just, uh, just uh, your, your first, your first breakthrough with that. Were you, were you nervous? How did you, how did you actually, a better question would be, how did you ease your brain as a, uh, <laughs> as a prior, uh, I don't know, pretty heavy fundamentalist at one point in your life. How did you ease your mind going into that? You know, I was just at the end of my rope. I feel like when I, when I lost my faith, um, it's easy to say that phrase out loud, like I lost my faith. But the problem was that I was built on this foundation. Like I grew up my whole life. Like my dad was a pastor. I was in the church at a young age. I was doing youth group. I was a worship leader, like all these things. Like my way of life was Christianity. And so when I lost my faith, I lost the earth. <laughs> you know what I mean? It like crumbled out from underneath me. And uh, at that point, um, I just found myself, I don't know, dark and depressed and sad. And the problem with sharing those emotions with people who were of the faith was they would point back at me and say, see, I told you, you needed Jesus. And Jesus is the only way out of it, which I actually think that Jesus is a helpful person to follow. So I'm not against that. But the problem is, is that, again, people weren't recognizing uh, what it is to be sad, what it is to be depressed, what it is to be locked up in your own emotions, in your own body, and always throwing that like, well, see, that's why. And so for me, like whenever that happened, it would just make me go darker, actually. And it actually made me realize what I was doing to people as a Christian when I would share the faith. I was belittling who they were and never actually like encompassing or embracing the human being who I was trying to preach to. So to be on the other side of that is just massive, you know? Um, yeah. So I think there's a lot, I mean, psilocybin, I think the big things like I already said, you know, like being a helper all the time, learning not to do that anymore. And now realizing I have needs. Um, and I don't know, like I still find myself sad. I still find myself like walking through life as a human but I'm finding that there's tools to be able to calm myself down, to be able to take care of myself and to be able to move forward in a healthy way rather than like escapism. Um, and escapism can be everything from drugs to gods. Like a, it, believing in a God can be a way of escape, uh, um, not to put any judgment on anybody else, but for me, it was a way of escape um, from dealing with what it was like to grow up. Yeah, I, actually, it's funny because I have I have dabbled um, on and off in my life, and as I've gotten older, now I try like microdosing, um, and so. Cool. Well, if we're gonna be very transparent, Omar, you and I have done it on yes. the same night, which is actually very interesting because we were on. I was on the east coast; he was on the left coast, and um, we actually were going through the same you know cycles or the same like levels or the doors. If you've you know ever had a mushroom trip or a tripping experience, you know, it's kind of like, they call it a trip, but it's many trips. You're not just one trip. You, it seems like you're going through each gateway and then each gate is like you're 
an, another version of yourself that you're having to to face another another thing that maybe you don't normally wrestle with that it's easy to put in the back of your mind but on psilocybin or on mushrooms sometimes all that stuff is on the forefront of your mind and you can't help it and the things that we think are important seem to melt away and go to the back burner and so it really gives you a healthy perspective of things that were some like you said sometimes afraid to deal with don't want to look at but that's why people sometimes will have a bad trip because they'll have experiences, motions, things, flashbacks from the past, different things that they're really not ready or prepared to deal with. And so it's sense of spiraling and they never actually they come back out of that particular trip because they don't get to the next level. And for myself, whenever I see those things or try to wrestle with those demons, um, the best or quickest way to the next level is just agreeing with being honest with yourself, being okay, this is an aspect of me like how like accept it and move on yeah yeah and there's many ways to do that you, you don't mm. have to do it this correct mushroom tea medicine. is the only way to do it <laughs> <laughs> there's there's plenty of things i went i went to a place called hoffman institute and they were really good at just uh, reaching your childhood without any sort of uh drugs so if you're against drugs be against drugs it's good it's good too so. now did you did you learn that uh that type of uh, process for for life coaching because I, I think you're a life coach too. Is yeah. that something that you teach clients, potential clients? Yeah. So I just uh, I'm just finishing up my certification of life coaching. I'm really pumped about it uh, because as a helper from being from a childhood, the helper kind of thing that was on me, I, I didn't know how to help people really. So life coaching is actually giving me the tools to sit with people and to be present and to hear their fears and to um, be able to reflect back to them uh, the stories that they're saying with the emotion that they might be feeling. And then I'm able to kind of guide them through those fears. Um, I don't use any of the like psilocybin, the medicines like that. I don't use any of that stuff. It's just like talking, you know, I'm just talking and we're doing some breathing practices and stuff like that. But I would say that the overall goal is to find the root of what they're going through. Like so many people have problems, you know, like, and, and they show as like, well, I got a problem with this person at work, or I have like a problem writing songs, so I can't get by my fear, you know, or whatever. All these things are the showing problem, but down at the roots of those problems are like what you learned as a kid. And uh, I'm trying to help people kind of go for the roots and then see what comes up on the surface. Because I have a feeling we would all write amazing songs. We would all break all the goals. We would all be these amazing people if we could rid ourselves of the things that are hanging uh, down below the roots, you know? So, How did that life coaching start? Is it, Did you just help someone and, and think like, whoa, this feels really damn good. I would love <laughs> to do this more. Is it just something that simple? Well, you know, I've been a pastor forever. So, I mean, in some ways, like I think pastors are probably life coaches just with a different oh, yeah. kind of thing, you know. But um, I ended up reading this book. It's called The Dragon Doesn't Live Here Anymore by Alan Cohen. And he is like kind of a great spirit person. So he doesn't believe in like uh, a God that will damn people to hell or whatever. But he believes in like he actually follows Jesus a lot. He, he's, he's a Jewish guy, but he like there's probably a favorite spiritual person is Jesus. So he follows that mostly, but he's wide open. Um, but this book, like being like a kind of an, uh, Christian that's moved on from Christianity. I feel like it really rubbed me the wrong way. Like it was really hard to get through the book because he just talked about Jesus so much. And for some reason I just have still, I have some like things about Christianity that kind of make me uh, a little 
I don't know, angry sometimes. <laughs> so um, to read this book, it was really hard to get through. But by the end of it, I was like, oh my God, this guy sees a bigger world of spirituality than I do. And when I finished it, I was like, I need to meet this guy, Alan Cohen. So I Googled him. He had this thing in Hawaii, like where you could go and become a life coach. I didn't even know I wanted to become a life coach or if I would become a life coach. But I was like, I got to meet this guy. I got to find out why this book is changing me. And uh, so then I got there. I took the course. And then I started meeting with people because you have to do it for the certification. Um, I've met with like 25 people so far. And I just like fell in love with being present with another human being to sit across from someone and have them tell their story and to listen for anything that I can be helpful in. So I just, I just listen so close and, and just really try to help this person accomplish whatever they're trying to accomplish. When they leave, you're just like on this natural high of like, Oh my God, I just sat with the depths of a human being and uh, I was able to be somewhat helpful. And uh, once that happened, I was like, all right, if I could do this for a living, like if I could be resourced to be able to give my time to help people move through their fear, then I am in. And uh, I've just been falling in love with it ever since. That's so cool. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. We think we yeah. need more life coaches. You sold, you sold me. I think so. And I mean, good ones, like holistic people who aren't going to judge you for anything. Because like people share their shit with you when you can provide a space for them to be able to be open and authentic. If, they're, if you are a judgy person, just expect people not to be able to open up to you. If you can include everybody in your heart, if you can include all of their sins that we call them it, as, as just a part of the being that's in front of you, you'll find that people are able to be wide open with who they are when you're with them. That's, you're onto something there, buddy, um, with your music and with your message, um, you know, helping people. I know reconnecting with you a couple of weeks ago, um, some of the words you've, you've spoken and the, the music that you've made has made an impact in my life again. So keep it up, bro. Thanks, man. Right? I'm just kind of overwhelmed. Like, it's just so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, David, if people want to hear your music, where can they find it? Great. Yeah, they can find my music on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you can stream music. I'm there. Um, Spotify helps me out the most right now because it gets me on playlists and gets me out there. So I'd appreciate any kind of Spotify shares you can give me on that kind of stuff. And just search David Lunsford then in Spotify. Yeah, David Lunsford. Sorry, that's my name. David Lunsford. Um, at coaching, like if you're interested in that kind of work, I would love to walk people through that kind of stuff, through their fears and into what they really should become or can become. Um, and they can just email me at davidlunsfordcoaching at gmail.com. Check the show notes. It'll be there as well. Very cool. Nice. Very cool. cool. Nice. Improve your life, folks. Uh, go to David Lunsford. He will revamp your spiritual and mental life. For the better, guarantee, <laughs> or your mind. I'll at least back. hang out with you. <laughs> I'll at least hang out with you and try to. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, if any of our faded rate listeners want to contact you for some life changing coaching, is there any promotions or discounts that maybe if they mention fade to gray or something like that that you're willing to offer? Yeah, I mean, mention fade to gray, and I'll for sure give you a deal. Um, I'm just starting out, so uh, I'm giving deals all over the place <laughs> right now. So, email me, and I would love to hook you up with sessions. Um, it does cost money. It is like well worth, you know, the therapy that you'll get. Um, we don't call it therapy, but I don't know. I, I think, I think life is therapy. You guys, like I think every, every day is an opportunity to learn and grow and to look into yourself. So yeah, I would be happy to help you with that. One last question I have, because I'm sure we're going to have some listeners that are going to be mad that I didn't ask this. 
So are you related to Aaron yeah. Munster for drummer for Acidies Burn? I am not related to sure? this person. You've never, never. I'm positive, although Aaron. like I feel like he's always reaching out to me, asking to be friends, and I'm like, bro, <laughs> can't do this right now. There can only be one Lunsford, <laughs> one Lunsford to rule them all. Only one Lunsford, yeah. Cool, man. It's been great. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for telling your story. Um, love to have you back. Sounds like we may see you in the FTG family. So um, look forward to catch up with you. There. I would love to. Yeah. And Thanks if you that. live in the Seattle area, it is East Lake Church, correct? Yeah, East Lake Community Church. That's uh, eastlakecc.com. You can check it out there. Right on. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Baby, the nights are getting warmer. Baby, the nights are holding strong. Let's stay outside a little longer, longer. Let's stay outside till morning comes. Baby, we made it through the winter. Baby, we held on through the storm. Let's keep on living like we're Let's keep on living like we're young
I really like him. Like a lot. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> he was Anything talking else? and my soul was just resonating. <laughs> Anything else? What about, uh, was it his looks? Was it uh, what he was saying? <laughs> what, what exactly was, well, was it? His looks, that was a whole different thing. No, the content of what he was saying. Like, it just was excellent stuff, you know? It was um, so much of it resonated with my own path um you know reconciling my faith and my sexuality and then leaving my faith and uh, just yeah yeah uh, so he was talking about like as a kid and having all the things happen to you i realized i have something so similar i always called it growing up in survival mode as a gay kid in you know a conservative christian church Realizing it's not that different from what he was growing up with and probably what a lot of us were growing up with. And just um, the effect that that stuff had so much further down the road and having to face that and overcome that in order to move on. Like, was just, he's like a kindred spirit. You feel like you know him, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It really got that feel from talking with him. It just really, really comfortable conversation. I, I love how he was willing to pretty much go anywhere in the conversation and open up. Like whenever you get an, an interviewee or a guest who's willing to just be that transparent and talk about those type of things, it's always makes for a compelling interview. The whole time he was talking about how his church is affirming to gay people, I was thinking about the churchclarity.com thing. You guys know about that? Yeah. No. Uh. I don't. Yeah. Please explain. So Church Clarity is an organization that rates churches based on how clear they are about their um, LGBTQ stance. So if they are very ambiguous, they'll they'll come right out and say that so that, you know, um, gay people don't go there, spend three years there becoming a part of the congregation, then find out that they can't get married there or they can't you know, become Sunday school teachers or, you know, that they're just not fully welcome. Um, it's just, uh, which, which has been a huge problem, um, just like all over the place. And uh, so church clarity is kind of like trying to, their goal is to like end that completely, right? So if you're a completely affirming church, then, you know, it should be all over, like it should be on your website. It should be when you walk in the door there, you should like, it should just be evident, right? And if you're not, then you, know, then you also need to say that, say like, no, you can't, you know, get involved in our ministry here. And no, you can't get married here. You know, just, um, you know, be open and honest about it. So it's amazing to see how far the church has come, you know, like, I mean, back in the nineties, you would have never had anything like churchclarity.com or a church that said, yeah, we're gay affirming, or at least I certainly wouldn't have heard anything like that growing up in a Southern Baptist church. So I think that, you know, even though the church has a long way to go, I think it's good to see that there are churches taking strides uh, in that direction. And, you know, that's coming from a person who's a non-believer. You know, I, I can respect that the church is trying to be progressive on this issue. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for that Eastlake church that they go to. And it sounds like uh, what they're trying to accomplish there, their community. And so if I was in that area, it'd be something I'd definitely be worth checking out. So. I loved it whenever he was talking about his own struggle with faith, like he lost his faith and, you know, he was deconstructing and 
when he was reconstructing, he decided to take the Bible and just use it as like a book of wisdom and not necessarily his uh, guidebook or, you know, the answer to every question. You remember those like little uh, tracks people would hand out and it'd be like um, problem with this, you know, here's your Bible verse or whatever. It's like, your prescription. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Here's your prescription. It's, it, you know, it's, it's almost like they just look at it for, for some wisdom, but you know, he's not going to take the Bible at its uh, core uh, on some of the issues. I like that. I think that's kind of a neat approach to it. Not going to beat people up with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I really do think it's a neat approach. I think that's a very freeing way to look at the Bible. Then you're not so chained down to having to deal with people you come across with and, and look at them a certain way because, well, this text or the scripture that I've been told my whole life says that this person's going to hell. So I either have to try to save them. And so then I'm putting them into a whole nother like goal category. Like I'm going to try to get this person saved or it's like, I need to protect myself or my family from this person because they're going to drag me to their place of uncertainty or whatever it might be. So um, to be able to just accept, you know, the Bible as a book of wisdom from a place that sounds like their church really is just wanting as they are affirming, um, to the LGBTQ plus community, sounds like they're trying to be affirming to all people as well. It's not just like yeah. pick and choose who we're going sure. to accept. Yeah, it was religion too that they were including. That was cool too. I, yeah, I, like you don't have to be a Christian to go to the church. Right, yeah. yeah. So I think Andy would actually fit right in there. That's what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying. Sure. I think Andy would be fine there. They would love that I voted for Trump. <laughs> oh, they're in Seattle. <laughs> they would love me. I'm telling you. They would give me a hug and welcome me with open arms and say, God loves you too. Well, I think it's cool because, you know, I grew up in a Southern, I say grew up, but I attended a Southern Baptist church when I was a Christian. And to have someone who's in leadership at a church who wouldn't say that, you know, Christ is necessarily a deity or even his God, I think is very unique and interesting and singing songs that were Coldplay. Yeah, he talked about where he was at in his, in his faith, and then as well as the fact that he's like a worship leader or a song director, I believe is what they called it. And like, they're basically, they're just singing any songs that kind of touch your soul. So I'm sure, like, maybe some Johnny Cash. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys think that he's trying to pull a hitch where he's, you know, just making a lot of money off of other people's insecurities and, I guess, lack of social skills with his life coaching? Because whenever I think of life coach, that's like the first thing I think of. Well, you get a lot of, to me, you get a lot of practice with that when you're a pastor, when you're dealing with a lot of hurt people and them, they're telling you all of their most vulnerable things, their stresses, their, their worries, whatever. To me, it's like you, you can turn that into, wow, I can become a life coach and maybe also do this at the same time, which I... I don't know why not just do pastoring full time. It it feels like maybe the more more right thing to do. I I don't know though. And when you say right, what do you mean? Because right to me, like that means moral. Like, do you think what he's doing maybe? Well, I think it's weird to come from the the Christian realm. You know that whole deal, pastor YWAM, and then now you're using that and you're all you're a pastor like a music director and you're also a life coach i I just feel like that's i i i don't know it feels like you would do one thing or the other or maybe truly help people volunteer and not charge them crazy money i feel like life coaching is kind of expensive 
So you would say he's kind of like Benny Hinn then? I wouldn't go that far. Absolutely not. No, no way. I, I would say that that I think, and his heart is obviously he's not a bad dude. That's not what it, at all what I'm saying. I think, I think that if he truly wants to serve, though, he would serve and not not charge. I I, I don't know. He's obviously a compassionate guy. I just I have I would have a hard time justifying whatever amount per hour just because I'm going to help you work on your fear of public speaking. Well, you're a capitalist. You're a capitalist. Yes, thank you. What, what, I'm what pushing would you... back on this one. Sure, right. sure. But does that make his actions right? I, I'm totally fine with him getting away with doing it, whatever. Hey, it's all it, good. It, where do, do you it. draw the line, though? Because like, right. I'm, I kind of agree with you in a way. I'm not going to tell him not know, to do it. Th- the, some of the pastors should, should they be paid? But then it's like, well, then you pay your counselor, but yeah, but they may go to school. But he's going through schooling as well. What what like kind maybe. of schooling though? I, I guess that the guy that he, I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the guy who wrote the book. Who I guess was offering the class that he went to, and then and there's a certification that he's in the, the process. Dragon doesn't of, live of here anymore. Uh, that's what it was. Yes, the author of Dragon doesn't live here anymore. Um, so I guess, I guess through that, there was a certification process. He's in the middle of that. That's why right now, if anyone's interested in the life coaching, want to find out for themselves, um, is offering extreme discounts. But I would probably, I think a lot of people would agree with you, Andy, <laughs> at, at, at first at, at first glance. Like, like, what is this? It seems like, are you trying to pull a scam here? But So I really like the guy, but I kind of have to agree with Andy a little bit because... I, I don't know. It just seems like, and maybe this is my background in ministry, but it seems like those services like that are outside of the church, maybe. I don't know. Oh man, I don't know. I'm so this is this the one. problem. I don't like that. I don't, I came from the church background as a church worker person. And the way we were treated is you will work for free. We will not give you anything, but we're going to work you until you have completely cracked and crashed and don't believe in God anymore. And that's what we're going to do to you um, because you have to serve us because you said you were going to serve God. And so you have to serve no, the church. But you, and there's something called no, though. You can say that seems no. Extreme. That's what I did. I got asked to play drums every single week until I was like, I don't, I don't have any time with my daughter on the weekends. Guess what? No, I'm not doing it anymore. So you just, yeah, you have but- to learn... Uh, I don't know. So, so yes, but so, but if you're the kind of person like David who wants to help people, and well, I'm not I guess like that. I'm trying to figure out where I'm. Oh, you're not like that, but some of us are. And so, like, where do you draw the line? Like, when are we allowed to charge for what we're good at? You know, like that's like with my piano lessons. Is he is he paid at the church? No, I'm saying I'm saying if someone's like willing to pay for it, if it's a service that's actually going to help somebody's life and they can find value in it. And they want to pay for it. Like if I, suckers I want to pay for it, they should be able to pay for it. But here's the deal. Okay. Scientology would do the same thing. They would charge you to come in and, you know, get a reading on an e-meter and it's supposed to help you live a better life somehow. Right. So, I mean, if it genuinely helps people. But they're charging not? tens of thousands of dollars to do that. Okay. Well, maybe he is too. We don't even know how much he charges. If people, so we're all if people get helped, if people go to a church and they get helped by a pastor okay, who is full of shit, doesn't that still work? If they go to a person, they pay them hundreds of dollars and they get help, doesn't that still work? I mean, is it- Or if it's, they listen to the Great Podcast and become a patron for $1 <laughs> a month, doesn't that still help? It, I think that's the best thing you can do. <laughs> you're doing honestly. some voodoo, my friend. You're doing some voodoo. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but, uh, so, okay, 
Andy and I maybe have a little bit of a bad taste in our mouth about the live coaching thing. And that's honestly, all I have. That's really all right. I have. You know, the dude taste. is awesome. I like the dude a lot. Like David, if you're listening, man, like I like you, I want to hang out with you. Um, you're going to beat my ass in basketball worse than you did at Omar. Cause I suck yeah. at it, but dude, I want to hang out with you. Um, if, if he's going to be helping people, that's right. If he's going to be helping people, then it's worth it. I mean, it, it's, if it's worth it to you, then that's the, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. I mean, if, if you're getting the help and you're willing to pay for it, I mean, yeah, yeah you might want to call, call those people suckers if you want to, but if they're getting, <laughs> if they're getting help and becoming better people in the long run, I mean, sometimes yeah. that's the sad thing about, uh, just, this life and it's so hard to find like people who are willing to listen to you that it seems like that you almost have to pay somebody who's willing to sit down and like truly be present and listen to you. Yeah. I saw on Facebook, this video of a guy who gets paid to walk with more of the, this, like the culture and the climate that we live in now than it is. It speaks to than anything else that we need stuff like a life coach. We need stuff like a pastor where a pastor can do good or somebody who's just willing to listen and be present in the conversation is is extremely rare and it's getting to a point now in 2019 where people are willing to pay for it because they can't find it anywhere else so like where do you where do you find like what he's offering legit offering i mean like yeah maybe you're lucky you have a good friend in your life you have good family you have people you can talk to but there are a lot of people who don't have that and so like where else is this something like that being offered for free I guess I would just like to know exactly what's in Answer the question. Answer the question. Where else can you go for free and find this? You can go to almost any Fader Gray. You can go to, almost you go to Fader Gray Marco Polo. <laughs> there you go. That's it. <laughs> By paying $1 on our Patreon. <laughs> yeah, it's not, that's not free anymore either. Those damn capitalist bastards. It's almost free. It's cheaper than life coaching. I can guarantee you that. And it's cheaper than Scientology. <laughs> We're going to get sued. I need Ethan to give us some wisdom. He's up there laughing at us. Ethan, what do you think? Are Andy and I wrong? Be the level head. Oh, yeah. We we got two that that say pro pay the man. We got two that say keep your money and join pay the (laughs) grade. I say pay the man if you're willing to and if you need it. I think, Chris, you just hit the nail on the head right there. I think there are a lot of people out there who, for, you know, whatever happened in their life, whatever hand they were dealt, whatever story they had to walk through. Um, they're more broken than others and uh and they need they can't they they don't have the tools in their life anywhere else to overcome things like this and they need somebody like david to help them help them get through it and i think having people like david out there offering their services is an excellent thing the end result is that you have a person who is more whole and their life is um contributing again you know they they uh so so here's the it's it's um it's a lot like my life so i um failed out of college because my brain shut down because i was clinically depressed i'd had two very close friends die and i was outed to my entire college community as a gay man i went to a christian school (laughs) like like it was not a good time um, my, my brain shut down. I couldn't deal with life. So it was several years of like, I don't know if I was out of bed some days or not. Like I didn't have a job. I didn't know what was going on. 
Um, I was living with my parents kind of a thing, and I don't really know what happened for a couple of years. And they didn't know how to help me. I didn't even know how to help myself or talk. I didn't even know that there was something wrong that I needed help with because I just couldn't function, right? So basically you're saying you could have benefited from someone like David's services. Yeah, someone like David. Did you have the money to pay for it? My parents had the money to pay for it, and they definitely would have at that at that juncture in my life. What would you tell the person who didn't have the parents to pay for it? Well, they like if the person is like me and they didn't have parents who would have paid for it, then they're in much worse straits anyway, right? I mean, like I was like 24, and the only reason I was still living was because I had parents who were paying for everything for me. If I didn't, I probably would have been under a bridge or something, you know, like um, I didn't even have the ability to put together the sentences in my head, like I should get a job or something, you know, like it was all just gone. Like life was too big. It was too hard. And I was too sad, but I didn't know I was too sad. It was just, you know, like a fog, like a dream that I was stuck in. Um, and I, I think I was very lucky in that over time and over um, repeated attempts by other people in my life, I was kind of shocked out of it, but it took years. You know, I mean, I was in my late twenties before I was like getting into the uh, you know the world that maybe a 23 year old would get into their first year after school. It was like, hey, here's an entry level position. You have a job now. You know, like, um, but I, I mean, I think I lucked out there. But I think there's a lot of people, um, maybe you know, like I you know maybe not quite as bad as I was, or maybe worse than I was. But somebody like David could potentially help them. Then I think having that market out there is a great thing, right? And, and and as as far as I think there's two things that really stand out as we're having this conversation to me. Um, one is like, yeah, okay, you're offering a service. This is what you do. This is my fees. But in no way do any of us get the impression or was it ever even like implied that if someone needs help, that you're going to be like, I'm only going to help you if I can cut a check after, at the end. It seems like David, everything that he says and what their church does that they're into like obviously like being that person being like a life coach without being the life coach but like to actually sit down and to like pay for a session and be like undivided like your undivided time sit down in front of you to listen to your problems to be present to try to pull out like you know like what your hopes and desires are what you're trying to accomplish i mean would i personally ever go to something like that no um but then again, like it took a lot in my marriage to even think about marriage counseling. That's just who I am. And I've always been a person who had friends or I'm an over talker. I'm an over communicator. So I'm one that would like, I spew all of my stuff out whenever it's on the surface. You guys know that already. So, so yeah. So for someone like myself, like I've already benefited in the last couple of weeks, just reconnected with David, like, and feel like there's definitely some value there. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I would say I hope that you have somebody that you can talk to. I hope that you have a good support system. But if you don't, I I would recommend. Um, and you have have the money, and that's the thing too. He's just starting out, so who's to say that he's not doing pro bono work? It's don't ever let uh, finances be something to stop you from doing something that you may want to do. I know that I could use a life coach, um, specifically whenever it comes to finances. Can somebody tell me about Brian? 
Hello, friends, it's Ethan. I understand finances can be tough. That's why I want to talk to you about Brian from BoundlessFinancialSolutions.com. Brian can help you set up a budget, learn how to invest your money, and even help you understand your retirement. The team at Boundless Financial Solutions doesn't just work with individuals either. They can help businesses and nonprofits as well. They'll never cold call you or spam your inbox. You just tell them about you, your needs, your hopes, and your dreams, and they'll provide you with the best options at your convenience. Listeners of the Fade to Gray podcast, that'd be you, can call 413-977-9967 and ask for Brian, or email him directly at brian at bfs-team.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at bfs-team.com. And mention the podcast to receive a free consultation. That's hundreds of dollars in value. Services are available where licensed. There's no more excuses to not get your finances in order. Visit BoundlessFinancialSolutions.com and let them free you from your financial fears today.